The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy Hewitt, nutritional therapist. I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and welcome everyone to our show. And we're wondering how everybody is doing today and around this time of year. As here in Minneapolis, it's springtime. It's May, halfway through May. Now, usually, at least to me, this kind of feels like what it should be feeling like in April, but we're just a little bit late with our spring here. But um, the good part about all of this is that we're getting more daylight hours. And I'm bringing that up because the light in our eyes is just so incredibly essential for a good mood and the light in your eyes helps you to make help helps your body to make the neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine and those neurotransmitters are so important to help you to feel good and if your schedule allows you to, we really encourage you to get outdoors around noontime and get at least 15 minutes of sun in your eyes. And be sure that you take your sunglasses off and let that full spectrum light really go ahead and enter your body. And in addition to this outdoor light, we do recommend that people use a full spectrum light as well. And for us, our favorite is, is a brand called a light book. It's just L-I-T-E-B-O-O-K. And we like it because not only because it's full spectrum, but the company has done a lot of studies to actually show that it works. And we ourselves know it worked because the staff here at Time Out Studio and Body Balance Nutrition, we also use this ourselves and our clients use the light book. And if you're going to be using it, you would want to be using it in the morning for about 15 to 30 minutes. And use it while you work on your computer or read a book. So this light book is different from a lot of those old-fashioned light boxes. Like people who would be diagnosed with depression would go in and then they would be prescribed that they need to sit in front of this light box. And those are great big boxes that you need to sit in front of and for at least an hour and sometimes more and you need to look directly into it well the light book is different it's way smaller it's actually quite tiny it's portable and you set it to the side so like if you're on your computer you set it to the left or the right of your computer and you don't look directly into it so you could be on your computer or on your phone or reading a book while you're getting the light into your eyes. 
Now, there is something important here that you don't mistake in it with a sun lamp. We had somebody that thought it was more like a sun lamp, and so she would just take a little snooze and close her eyes. And then you don't get the benefit of the light in your eyes, obviously. So you want to keep your eyes open, but you follow the directions of the light book. It's sitting to the side where you don't look directly into it. And you might not think that that's necessary for you because you say, well, you know, and I'm outside enough, I get, I get sun. Um, however, it's important to know that they've even done studies of people who are in San Diego, the land of the sunshine, and they found that way, way, way more than half of the people, like upwards of 80 to 90% of the people, still never even got 15 minutes of sunshine in their eyes. And so here we live in Minnesota where we do have sunshine, but it's, it's a little bit limited compared to places like more down south. But really, most people have trouble getting enough sun into their eyes. So we recommend that people put a little bit of attention on that for you. And now that it's springtime and we're moving into summer here, it gets just a tiny bit easier. And besides helping you to make more serotonin and help you feel better, the light book or this full spectrum light, it also helps you get to bed on time. And it's important to remember that the most healing sleep, now write this down, it's from 10 p.m. to midnight. And that's going to be an important note for all you night owls out there who don't like to go to bed until midnight or 1 or 2 or 3 a.m. And you might be saying that you're not tired by 10 p.m. Well, the light book will help you to be tired by then. And you just use that in the morning. It's going to help you to reset your circadian rhythm so that you're tired and ready to go to bed at um, the right time. And so something that I suggest, say that you say you go, well, I go to bed at 2 a.m. You're probably not going to want to switch right away to go to bed at, at 10 because that's a four-hour switch. That's going to be drastic on your body and it's probably not going to work real well. And so what you do if you want to move your sleep time back is move it back by just 15 minutes. 15 minutes a night or even 15 minutes a, for a whole week. And keep inching it back. And that light book will really help you. It'll, it'll really uh, tell your body in the morning that it's time to rise and shine and get up. And then as those hours pass throughout the day, it's going to send signaling that it's actually time to go to bed. That is so important because the hours between 10 p.m. and midnight are the most deep sleep and the most healing and restorative sleep and you'll most likely be refreshed and ready to get up in the morning even earlier and so this is important for everybody really but for people that are trying to lose weight and maybe you're finding it difficult for you to lose weight a big reason might be that you're not getting enough sleep and you got to know that five hours of sleep a night or six or even seven hours is not enough sleep if you're working on weight loss and if you're working on health issues in general. So we found that this light book can really help people to get their rhythms going so that you can take advantage of those hours where you get the most healing for your body. And you might even find that the weight comes off easier when you get your bed, your body to bed by 10 p.m. and then sleep a good eight hours. And as a side benefit from getting the full spectrum light, this is a different issue here, your cravings. If you're somebody that's got cravings, you might find that your cravings start to diminish or maybe they disappear altogether. 
And while we're talking here about the cravings, remember that blood sugar spikes also contribute greatly to cravings. And a great way to start eating less sugar and carbs is to increase your intake of fat. Now, I feel like I can already hear you and what you're thinking. And you might be thinking that that seems counterproductive because fat has more calories than sugar. Is that right? Well, yes, absolutely. Fat has more calories than sugar if you count it on a gram-by-gram basis. So if you have a gram of fat and a gram of sugar, the fat has almost double the calories of sugar. However, we need to really be shifting our thinking away from this idea about calories and instead shift our thinking towards the idea that food is actually information and food is not simply calories. Now, what am I talking about that food is information? Well, when you eat sugar, you know this now. You eat sugar, your blood sugar spikes up. And then your body secretes insulin, which is a hormone, to lower your blood sugar. After doing this over and over and over, your body is left with high insulin on a regular basis. And high insulin carries a message to store fat. So when you have a body that has high insulin, whatever you eat and whatever exercise you choose to do, the body that's coming into your body, is to, the message is to store fat. And it doesn't matter how few calories you're eating. On the other hand, when you eat a meal with plenty of fat and probably even more calories, there is no insulin response. Your blood sugar actually does not rise at all. Now, this came up the other day, and somebody was asking, now, how much should you expect your blood sugar to rise when you eat a meal? Because they were thinking that every time you eat a meal, your blood sugar should be going up. And in fact, you really would like to have a goal that when you eat a meal, your blood sugar doesn't rise at all. And so that's, that's a misconception that your blood sugar is going to rise the way up. We need to have this big insulin response and then the blood sugar comes down. Now that's what normally happens to people because of what they're eating, but that's not going to be an ideal health response, an ideal health condition. So your blood sugar, we don't want it to be rising when you're eating. Um, and, and when you're eating like that and you've got plenty of fats in that meal that you ate, your body puts out this hormone called CCK or the other word for it is cholecystokinin. It's kind of a long word, but it's easy if you just call it CCK. And that CCK is a hormone and it tells your brain that you're satisfied with your food. And that's that CCK is what helps you to stop eating. And sometimes you might see these people if you're eating maybe at a dinner party or at a restaurant. I don't think you see a lot of these people anymore, but maybe you see one of them. And I think that if you've been around for a long time, you used to see these kind of people that they're eating food on their plate and they just put their fork down and they go, oh, I'm just done eating. And they actually don't eat anymore. And maybe even when a dessert comes around, they say, yeah, I just, no, I don't, I don't care for any. And they're not trying to use any big discipline or they're not in any big program. They're just, their brain is actually just telling them that they're satisfied and they feel good. 
And you might see this on a child, a child maybe like a toddler or um, you know any young child who hasn't been eating sugar in their diet. You'll see this very well with children is that they're sitting there eating, even a child in their high chair, and they're eating and eating. You're, you're, you're even feeding them, putting spoonfuls of food in their mouth, and then they are finished. And there's nothing you can do to get any more f- food in their mouth. And if, if any goes in their mouth, they're going to spit it right out at you. That's how strong that message is to stop eating. And part of that, a large part of that is this hormone cholecystokinin or CCK. And when you don't have a damaged gut lining, that's when this hormone is really working well for you. When you've got a nice, healthy gut lining and you've got bile that's secreted from your liver, all of these things are working well in addition to you ate a meal that has some sort of fat that's in it. So we want to think of this as an ideal response that you eat a meal, your blood sugar does not spike up at all. It pretty much stays the same. You don't have a great big insulin output and instead you have the CCK hormone that comes out that says I'm really satisfied and done eating and then you can turn into one of those people that really doesn't have cravings and is a person who eats when you're hungry and you stop when you're not hungry anymore now interestingly fat and protein can both be turned into carbs or carbohydrate-like substances, something even like ketones, that can be used as fuel for your brain and for your muscles. So we know that your brain needs a constant supply of some sort of fuel, and so do your muscles. And we've heard a lot of people bring up that that's why you need to eat sugar on a regular basis, because your brain needs to have this constant supply of glucose, and so that's why people justify that you need to be eating sugar all the time to keep feeding your brain. But now we know that this really isn't true. Um, The first part of it is true, that your brain does need to have fuel on a regular basis. But the second part of it, so then we need to eat sugar, that's not the true part of the statement. So let's just back up a little bit. Your brain does need a constant supply of fuel, and so do your muscles. But it's interesting to note that you don't need to be eating carbs in order to get this fuel. When you're eating fat and protein, both of those can be changed into Uh, glucose and ketones and some other carb-like substances that your brain and your muscles actually use as fuel. And in fact, many people's brains prefer this type of fuel over the kind of um, plain glucose that you would get from breaking down candy and simple carbohydrates. This, there's lots of studies that are coming out in the recent times about people with Alzheimer's that do really, really well on an almost no-carb diet that's super high in coconut oil, they're finding that that type of fuel for Alzheimer's brains works really, really well. And those people start to retrieve part of their memory back. And um, so it's really kind of an interesting fact that humans actually have no requirement for carbohydrates since our bodies can make those from fats and proteins. Now, we don't recommend people go on a diet with zero carbs. And um, 
However, we do recommend that people get their carbs almost entirely from non-starchy vegetables. And we know that most of you out there are experts on what non-starchy vegetables are. But um, some of you are new on the show, and so we're just going to point out non-starchy carbohydrate vegetables are going to be things like asparagus and green beans and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and all of the leafy greens. Those are all and many, many more of those, as opposed to starchy vegetables, which would be carrots and beets and potatoes and sweet potatoes. Not that those are bad foods to eat, but for most people with the conditions that they're dealing with, taking those starchy vegetables out of the diet for a period of time is going to be highly beneficial in bringing you back to health. So just to reiterate that we we don't recommend that even though there is no requirement that human beings have to have carbohydrates to live, uh, we don't recommend you eat a no-carb diet. Be sure that you eat plenty, plenty, plenty of non-starchy vegetables, and that would be your source of carbohydrates in your diet. Now, once your health is optimal, meaning that your insulin level is down, it's between 2 and 5, your body fat has decreased, it's below 20% or so, and for men, that would be well below 20%, maybe down at around 12% or so. Uh, when, when you're not on any prescription medications for chronic disease conditions and you generally have no physical c- complaints at all, you have good energy and good sleep, only then do we recommend adding back in a small amount of non-starchy vegetables and limited amounts of fruit. Or you mean the starchy vegetables you'd start to add? Absolutely. Yep. I made a mistake there. We would add the starchy vegetables, those ones that are like the carrots and the beets and potatoes and not large amounts. That would mean maybe like a half a cup a day or maybe some days you don't have any at all. And the fruit might be one cup or a half a cup of, of the low sugar fruits like berries. Once in a while having a banana or watermelon, but not having all of that fruit on a regular basis. And that would be once that you really, really have optimal health. Now, what we notice that so many people are missing from their food repertoire is an abundance of good, healthy fats at every single meal. And if you add these fats back into your meals, that should really help you to stabilize your blood sugar and give you longer lasting fuel and much better energy. Now, not only that, but it's going to help to not feed any of that bad bacteria and yeast in the gut, which so many people are dealing with, and you don't even know it. But really, that's that's an issue for so many people. And also, these fats help you to feel very satisfied and very, very happy with your meals. And so today, our discussion is going to be very exciting. It's going to revolve around fats and why they're necessary, where to find the good fats, and we'll be learning which fats are not healthy ones, and we'll even learn why those fats are not healthy. And this should be such amazingly great news for people who have been avoiding fats in their diet, either no fat at all or those low-fat diets. And this includes those of you with heart disease and high cholesterol. 
And we'd love to hear from you. Is that right, Lucy? Yes, absolutely. Call us at one 472 5792 and call with any questions or comments you might have about fats. And we want to know, do you already eat plenty of fats in your diet or are you confused about the different types of fats? Well, call us and share your experience with us. We're going on our first break. When we come back, we'll hear all of your calls and we'll continue our conversation. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And let's jump into our discussion about fats. This is one of our favorite topics to discuss. And maybe it's just because fats taste so delicious. But no, really, we like talking about this because it sheds light on how beneficial fats are to your diet. And it's been life-changing for many, many people to find out this information. Yeah, one of the things that I hear that people have, there's so many things that it changes. And just the other day, someone was talking about how her skin really has improved since eating more fats. Like her skin used to be all dry and she had to use a lot of moisturizer. And now it's just a lot more dewy and um, supple on her skin. Lucy, have you ever heard that from people? Yep, I have. And I've heard that even in the winter time, when it's the drier months, they definitely need to be using moisturizer or in the past they did and that's when they can really tell the difference 
Is that this person too? Well, yeah, I've, I've actually heard that from a number of people, and I've noticed it on myself too. That, um, and even people with acne, because you might think, well, I have acne, and so if I eat more fats, it's just going to make my skin more oily. But that's actually not at all how your body works. So it might seem kind of like the heart disease thing. If you eat fat, it's just going to land in your arteries and clog it up, that, which is completely not true. Um, I think sometimes people think if I eat fat, then it's just going to make me have oily skin and then I get acne. And that's actually not how it works at all. That Mm -hmm. acne doesn't come from eating fat. Uh, However, part of acne, it's multifactorial with acne, but part of it can come from eating a lot of damaged fats. And so we see that if you get those damaged fats out of your diet and start eating an abundance of good fats, people's acne actually clears up. And that's, I think, Lucy, you were going to touch upon some some uh, unhealthy fats today. Were you going to be discussing that? Yes, absolutely. So we'll talk about first why fats are good for us and then what are good fats to be eating, what are the healthy ones, and then what are the unhealthy damaged fats. Now, one of the biggest reasons that fats are beneficial for our health is that the correct fats are incorporated into your cell membranes, and that promotes excellent cellular integrity. So cellular integrity means how well your cells are able to move things in and out of the cell to allow all the processes of the cell to work correctly. And you have billions of cells throughout your body and each one has a very specific purpose to keep your body alive for example cells are responsible for creating energy or ATP or they help with chemical reactions or they turn on or off different metabolic pathways but the point is cells are extremely important for many functions and we want them performing at their best so that we ourselves can perform at our best Now, you must have cellular integrity to provide the correct voltage for the cell. And it does this by allowing the right ions. And ions are positively or negatively charged molecules. It does this by allowing the correct ions to pass through the membrane. And this creates a battery of sorts with an electrical potential across the cell membrane. And this proper proper voltage enables the cell to perform its many functions. So it sounds like what you're talking about is that we have these cells, and I think it's actually been estimated that people have 70 trillion cells. So that would be like a lot of numbers to count. The point being that we have so many cells, and that's really what runs your body. But it sounds like, Lucy, what you're talking about is it's this membrane that's around the cell that performs this amazing function of keeping the right things inside the cell and outside the cell. Is that what you're talking about with this membrane? Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, and the membrane... And the membrane has the fats in it. Exactly. Is that right? And so if you're eating good fats, and that's what's in your membrane. If you're eating bad fats, and that's what's in your membranes. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, that's exactly. And... And um, one thing, we can start even just by picturing what a cell might look like. Like you might picture it just being this random sphere thing, like an orange, for example, with this thick peel on the outside. And the membrane would be like what that peel is, but a lot more complex. That peel there of the cell 
is made up of all these fats as well as other things like proteins and cholesterol, transport channels. Lots of things are happening to make this cell work properly. So then it really would make a difference if you're eating things like trans fats or oxidized fats that actually gets incorporated into your cell membrane. And then it sounds like then the cell is not able to operate correctly. And then since we have 70 trillion cells, that's going to definitely impact the way that you feel and your health. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. And if you have the wrong types of fats in the membrane, this actually changes the fluidity of the cell. So your cells or the membrane of your cells is supposed to be a certain amount of fluid and a certain about amount stiff or solid. And say that you were eating lots of these damaged fats or trans fats or maybe you were eating no fat. Well, now those cell membranes are going to be compromised. But if we eat a good amount of of omega-3 fats and then some saturated fats, the good kind of saturated fats, and avoid the unhealthy ones, then the cell membrane is going to be the right amount of fluidity and things are going to be able to come in and out properly. And cholesterol is another thing that must be present in the membrane and that helps keep its shape. And one of its important roles, one of cholesterol's important roles, is to hold receptors in place. So I said that there's these proteins embedded in the cell membrane. There's these receptors. That's what those are. And those allow other things like insulin, for example, the hormone insulin, to bind to the cell and then send that message into the cell. And now the message is to bring sugar into the cell. Now, if we didn't have enough cholesterol, then that receptor might not work very well. And then we'd have trouble with blood sugar balance. And then it sounds like you also have receptors for lots and lots of things. Like that's how your hormones work. They float around in your bloodstream and then they hook up to a cell on that receptor and send a message inside the cell and tell it what to do. And so it sounds like if you don't have the right amount of cholesterol in that cell membrane, then that hormone receptor won't be working quite as well as well. Yeah. Is that true? Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then that means that if you're doing something like lowering your cholesterol abnormally to some ridiculously low number, something that would be like an unhealthy low number, um, that is going to affect all of your cells and then you're going to start having health difficulties. Yes, that's right. And another example of what a health difficulty would be, would be not only the receptors there, but also allowing certain minerals in and out. And we need those minerals moving in and out of the cell membrane to allow water to come in and out. So when we don't have the right amount of cholesterol, our hydration actually goes down. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot in the past, about this water that's inside your cells and water Mm -hmm. that's outside of your cells. And so it sounds like um, the fat that you're eating plays a big role if you're able to actually bring that water inside of your cell based on your minerals being able to come in and out in the proper uh, proportions. 
That's right. Yep. And like we've already said, though, you want to be getting the right types of fats. So cholesterol is one that you're wanting to get from your food. And saturated fats are going to be helpful for you. And then there's other ones that are damaging. And those are ones um, that are going to decrease the integrity of the cell, even if you're still getting enough cholesterol and these other good fats. So another role of cholesterol is as a precursor for the sex hormone. So it helps to make the sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And it also makes other hormones like cortisol or aldosterone. And these are important to help the body work properly as well. So again, having really, really low cholesterol numbers that's going to impact your hormone production throughout the body. Even vitamin D, right? Yeah, yeah. And the body can use cholesterol to make that vitamin D when the skin is exposed to sunlight. Yeah, and so it sounds like if you don't have enough cholesterol and you go out in the sun, you actually cannot make vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then you take the supplements, but we could actually be making a lot more when we take in adequate amounts of fat. And all the fats that make up your cell membranes come from the foods that we eat, and we'll talk about which ones are health-promoting and which ones are detrimental to your health. And there's two main categories of fats. We're not going to go into all of the details about these two categories, but you've probably heard about saturated fats. And then there's another category, unsaturated fats. And these two names refer to the cell structure or the metabolic structure of the fatty acids. Now, saturated fats are the ones that we've all been told to avoid, but they're very healing. And these are the ones that you want to be eating. So remember, well, we didn't mention it, but your cell is actually made up of about 50% saturated fats. You mean your cell membranes? Is that what you mean or your cell? Your cell membranes. Yep. So that's going to help keep the cell the proper stiffness. And we don't want the cell membrane to become too stiff, but it can't be too fluid either. So those saturated fats are going to help Um, with the stiffness. And without saturated fats, brain function can go down, memory can decrease. We talked about the hydration, how that relates to the fats you're eating. Hydration goes down and your skin might feel more dry or scaly without the saturated fats. So examples of fats that would be considered saturated would be butter and coconut oil, and coconut butter, and palm oil. And butter, when we're talking about the healthy kind of butter, it's the pasture butter. And that means this is from cows that have been eating grass, just grass, not eating corn, and that creates the butter that's going to be anti-inflammatory. Yeah, so when you're shopping, you really want to look at that the package says pasture or it says grass-fed, and it really truly needs to be 100% grass-fed. Um, it's important that w- when you're thinking about eating saturated fats, a lot of these are going to be coming from animals. And so it will, be, it will be very, very unhealthy to eat saturated fats from, 
factory farmed animals. And so Lucy had just mentioned about the grass fed. Very important that you're not eating fat from corn fed beef. So we want to make sure that everybody understands that there's a huge distinction with these saturated fats. That you can't just say all saturated fats are good for you, so run right out and eat any kind of saturated fat that you can get your hands on. That's not the case here. Uh, you need to be very, very careful. And for instance, um, you might think, well, great, I'm going to eat lots and lots of bacon every day. And so the question that you need to ask is, where did this bacon come from? And it's probably going to come from some sort of pork. Then you need to ask and know from the farmer, what was that that pig eating? And if it was eating GMO corn and GMO soy, that is going to be incorporated into that bacon. And then you're eating quantities of that. That's not going to be healthy. That, that will end up going into your cell membranes and creating trouble. So you want to not get this too simple and say, now somebody's, te- now say, Lucy's telling us that we're all going to eat every bit of saturated fat that appears. That's not true. You got to be a health detective when you're grocery shopping and looking for your sources of, of the saturated fat. And we've talked about the quality of animals and animal fat on a lot of the other shows. So we're not going to go into that in detail here, but we just want to make sure everybody's clear on you really do not want to go out and eat fat from animals that were factory farmed and beef eating corn and any of the other animals eating GMO corn or soy. So, um, Lucy, is that is that online with what you're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And just online with what you were mentioning just now, sometimes people get confused between the fats being in their oil form or their fat form and then the fats on the animals. So you do want to remember that the fats that are on the animal would be considered fats that you're eating, not only the fats that you're putting on food. So like Jeannie was saying, you consider the meat that you're eating um, as a source of either healthy fats or damaged fats. And then coconut oil. When you're buying coconut oil in the store, recently... I saw a liquid coconut oil. Now, coconut oil and most of these saturated fats should be hard at room temperature. Pretty solid. They might change as the temperature changes, but most of the time solid. And coconut oil is one of those, that it should be pretty solid. I think coconut oil is um, a melting point of 75 degrees. Yeah. So if it's going to be summertime at 75 or higher, then you would see that it would be liquid. But you saw this in a grocery store that it wasn't 75 degrees. Right. And I saw a product that was on the shelf and it was labeled liquid coconut oil and it was completely liquid all the time. This was even in the winter time. And then below it, I saw the coconut oil, the good kind, and that was solid. So if you see something that's called liquid coconut oil, that's not what you're looking for. That's an unhealthy fat. And the reason for that is that they must have changed it somehow in the processing to make it be liquid all the time. You know, that's such a good point because mm -hmm. these food manufacturers... Um, they seem to want to make food so convenient for us that that would be really nice. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody likes getting that hard coconut oil out of the jar. And so food manufacturers, I'm sure, think, well, they would rather have it liquid. But as Lucy mentioned here, they highly... Um, 
use chemicals and all kinds of processing to change the quality of the fat. And so in your fats, any fats that you eat, you really want those to be as close to their natural form and unprocessed as possible and not be getting these ones that are adulterated. Kind of like there's some other oils that say this has been formulated for high heat. Well, you don't want that. You just want the real oil, how it's really supposed to be in the first place. And then we need to be smart enough people that we use it in a way that doesn't actually damage the fat. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment and continue our discussion. If you have questions, call us at one 472 5792 Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. Today, we're talking about fats. I'm Lucy, along with Madeline and Jeannie. And let's get back to our discussion about healthy, saturated fats. So another example would be coconut butter. We talked about the coconut oil. Coconut butter is a different part of the coconut. And the texture is a lot more crumbly. This would be something you'd use in making the macaroons recipe or maybe your thin mints. It wouldn't be your sole source of fat when you're sautéing vegetables. And it's in those slender lemons, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it adds some good uh, stiffness to your food when you're making it. And one thing to think about when you're using coconut butter is that when you melt it on the stove, you have to turn it to the lowest temperature possible, and it still can burn. So you might have to take it off of the stove a number of times so that it doesn't burn and start to bubble and smoke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Madeline, didn't you, or somebody found, I thought, that you can make... I think we were talking to Lisa, and she had mentioned that you can actually make coconut butter. Oh. Was was that true, that you can use flaked coconut and put it in the Vitamix with a little bit of water, and then it actually makes coconut butter? Is that true? I thought Um, I heard somebody talking about that. I haven't heard that, but it sounds like that would work. Yeah, because I've never tried that. Coconut butter is actually just... It's it, it's the it's not just the oil. It's actually no, it's like, like the coconut the meat. meat. Yeah, mm-hmm. the meat mm-hmm. of the coconut. And so she was suggesting that Lisa's a client here, and she, um, she's a chef. She's a really good chef and cook. And she was the one that was responsible for coming up with the slender lemon recipe. And we just love having Lisa as part of our group here. But she was mentioning as a chef that you can just if you didn't have the coconut butter, you can just use the coconut flakes, and then put that in your Vitamix maybe if you have a strong blender that might work too I'm not too sure and then just turn it on and add a little bit of water and then it it needs to be really really stiff and so if you buy the coconut butter in the jar it will come with this layer of coconut oil at the top and we suggest take that off and just put that in with your coconut oil and then down below Um, I like to point this out for people because when I first got my first jar, I thought there was something wrong with it, and I did end up actually throwing it away, which is really kind of a waste. But it's all crumbly, and it doesn't, it seems like it's something that's really old and crumbly, but it's just that it just is dry like that and kind Mm -hmm. of crumbly. Yeah, it's kind of like if you've ever experienced almond butter that's really dried out where all of the oil part of the almond butter is gone. It's almost as crumbly as that, and it doesn't spread very easily. Well, Yeah, and it's even harder. It's yeah. like hard lumps of crumbliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but when you eat it, though, because sometimes I'll have a spoonful of that if I need like some fuel. Um, and when you eat it, though, it kind of melts in your mouth, and it doesn't taste like what it looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. I've experienced yeah. that too. It's you know, almost the experience of eating something like almond or peanut butter. Not near, not as creamy, but almost like that texture yeah. when, when it's in your mouth. Even more melt in your mouth. And now yeah. speaking of taking a spoonful of that when you just needed to have something, um, it, it, and I've heard more and more and more, and this, this is... This is important for people who either work with small children or you have small children of your own. But children often really go for spoonfuls of coconut oil or even coconut butter. And um, you might really allow them to have a spoon or two or as many spoons as they like. And it's very self-limiting. I've never heard of anybody who the child ate the whole gallon. It's just going to be a spoon or so of coconut oil. It dramatically helps children with their focus and concentration, especially when they have some of that in the morning. 
if they're toddlers, maybe they're at daycare. It's going to help stabilize their blood sugar. Or kids that go to school, they'll find that their performance in school and their ability to focus and concentrate is so much better when they have a good, healthy amount of fat in the morning, especially the saturated type of fat. And um, we've heard it from daycare providers, we've heard it from school teachers, and we've heard it from parents. And um, rather than giving your kids these sugary foods and cereal and juice and other pieces of fruit, really get them, often you don't even have to get them to have the coconut oil. If they see it around, they just dive for it. And realizing that their brains are made of fat and they have these growing brains that need fat. And giving them a low-fat diet is not going to be helpful for them. So I just got a, got, I got a little bit off track there, but I like to point that out. People have seen dramatic results with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, two other saturated fats you can add to your diet would be cocoa butter, C-O-C-O-A. So that's the like chocolate, but it's plain cocoa butter. And that's the fatty part of cacao beans. Um, and also palm oil. Palm oil is red color and it has an interesting flavor. My, I've tried it a few times and I use a, a little bit of that and then mostly coconut oil when I saute vegetables. Um, but it's nice to have more variety so you have more interesting foods. What about sesame oil? That would come later. So we'll bring that up in a second. That would be a more unstable fat. Um, But these saturated fats, they're going to be more stable and not easily damaged. So that means that you can use these at higher temperatures and not extremely high. Like you don't want to be deep frying food in coconut oil or butter, but you use these when you're on the stove or you're roasting vegetables, you're making saute vegetables or cooking meats. So people bring up, go ahead. People bring up roasting vegetables a lot because a lot of people, at least around here, like to get a whole variety of vegetables and put them on a pan with olive oil and put them in the oven. And um, what we suggest for roasting vegetables is these saturated fats instead. Either use butter or some coconut oil in there. And um, if you prefer the flavor of olive oil, then maybe when you take those out, just give a little sprinkle of olive oil. But I think Lucy will bring up later about that olive oil is really not the best one to cook with. And so you want to be using um, these saturated fats. And that's the same people bring up, well, what about baking? And what about anytime you're thinking about heating up a fat, you want to think of using these saturated fats and um, not things like olive oil in there. Mm-hmm. So, Madeline, you're asking about the sesame oil. Sesame oil and most of those other liquid oils would be unsaturated fats. So, these liquid oils are a lot more delicate to heat and oxygen and light. So, you need to work with them very easily. Um, sesame oil actually has some antioxidants in it so that protects it from becoming rancid Um, most of these other liquid oils when you heat them up at a higher temperature or just when you buy them they're already damaged so let me go into this a little bit more in depth. Well, or I'll well, back- before, yeah, before we move on to that, I think, could we just take a step back and talk a little bit more about those saturated fats? Sure. And these benefits of, there's some, you know, not only can you use those for cooking, but it looks like they also have these other qualities to them, like these gut healing qualities. Yes. Yeah, like for example, 
butyric acid is is one of the fatty acids. So we say saturated fat, and you think butter is a saturated fat, and butter is made up of all of these individual fatty acids, and butyric acid is the name for one of those. And butyric acid is highly prevalent in butter, and it helps to restore the integrity of your gut lining, and it also reduces inflammation. And so, then, isn't it also true that coconut oil it's high in one of the fatty acids called lauric acid, and that seems to be antibacterial, antifungal, anti yeast and even a little bit of antiviral. And mm-hmm. so it sounds like these the saturated fatty acids, and when we're talking about fatty acids, that's like a little chain. And then you hook a whole bunch of these different chains of different fatty acids together, and then that's what makes up the whole big fat. Like coconut oil is made up a whole bunch of different fatty acids. Butter is made up of different fatty acids. All fats are made up of these individual smaller chains of fatty acids hooked together. And what we can see is that these saturated fatty acids actually have healing qualities. And we like to bring that up because oftentimes people think that fat is just kind of like this inert substance that just has a lot of calories and it makes people fat and it gives them acne. And they just, people kind of have this bad idea of, well, fat can't be good for you. And it gives you heart disease and heart attacks and all of these other things. And nothing could be further from the truth. And that actually these fatty acids that make up saturated fats, each one of those individual fatty acids like lauric acid and butyric acid, and there's many, many different ones, they actually have healing qualities for people. And so this is where we can just go back to nature again and think, why would nature contain all of these great little saturated fatty acids that all they do is give you acne and make you fat and have you get get heart disease? That wouldn't really make sense if we're looking for the whole circle of nature, the circle of life, and how the whole world works. And so this is really a return back to nature of how it was intended. And the more that we can go back to how these in, these individual molecules and these foods were intended for us, then our health can really start to improve. And it and we go back and say, if we were living way back where maybe our grandfathers or great-grandfathers or mothers were... Of course, they would be eating butter. And of course, if they probably wouldn't be eating coconut oil because it wouldn't be shipped from those other countries. But if they lived in those countries, of course, they're eating coconut oil. And they're eating all of these foods that have healing qualities to them. And we can see that we've just gotten so far away from that into adulterating food, into liquid coconut oil and squeeze butter and all of these other things and butter that doesn't give you heart disease and this and that. And we go, let's just back up a little bit and really look at the individual molecules and what we see is the really tremendous healing qualities that these saturated fatty acids have for us and and healing qualities in our gut linings where so many of us have trouble with overgrowth of yeast and parasites and we go, if we were eating these saturated fatty acids on a regular basis, that that really might help us keep some of that into control. And so it's important to note that sometimes we think, oh, I have 
I got parasites or, oh, I have bacteria in my gut. But don't you ever wonder, well, how come this other person doesn't have that? They live in the same room you live in. And the answer lies in really the whole integrity of your gut lining in the first place. And so we go that we live in this environment that has parasites, it has bacteria, it has viruses, it has everything all over the place in it. But when we're eating foods and living in a way that's in conjunction with nature and in conjunction with health, and we don't necessarily go and get infected by everything that comes along. And what we're stating here is that some of these saturated fatty acids can actually help us with that health. And not they're not just only there to provide calories or to make people fat. That's been completely misconstrued. And so we can go back to eating these foods in their original natural state and find that your health and, and even just how you look. People will look at you when you start eating good fat. They'll look at you. Of course, they're not going to know what you're eating, but they're going to go, wow, you know, you really look great. Your skin is glowing. Something is really different about you. And um, we hope that that's good news for people that you return to start eating food in its um, more basic state here. And so um, we're just, we're in this show, we're just going to continue on just for another minute or so, just with the saturated fats. And in our next show, we'll continue on going on to the other qualities of some of the monounsaturated fats and the polyunsaturated fats. So knowing that they're, those are all going to be good for us. Um, but... Lucy, what other do you have other things that we can bring up about the saturated fats? Or Madeline, you're you're big on eating the saturated fats. Well, one thing about coconut oil, that's the saturated fat, you can actually use that on your skin as a moisturizer. So not only can you eat it, but you can use it as a moisturizer. And with those antibacterial properties that it has, that helps keep your skin nice and healthy. As you can well. also use that as shaving cream, too. Mm-hmm. Coconut oil? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's real interesting. Is there any special way to use it, or do you just kind of put it on and shave away? Yep, just like that. You just rub it. Like if I'm shaving my legs, I'll put it all over my legs, and it doesn't need to be, like, dripping just enough to coat my legs, and then I'll just shave like normal. And obviously, it's a little harder to clean the razor off because it's oily, but I have sensitive skin and I have a really hard time finding products that work for me. And this makes my skin feel the best out of everything. Mm -hmm. The cats like it too, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all the animals do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with coconut, with um, saturated fats, those are mainly ones that you're just going to cook with and that's the way you're going to be eating them. But like we already mentioned, you could put coconut butter and coconut oil in your thin mints and these desserts that we have on our blog um, and coconut butter in your smoothie and cocoa butter in your smoothie is delicious. So it looks like we're out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Body Balance Talk. It's Friday and plan to cook a fun recipe from our blog this weekend. Oh, I'm going to do that. Yes, and Uh you can find the blog at mybodybalancenutrition.com. In the meantime, post on Facebook or send us an email and we'll get back to you. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie, and that's our show. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks. 
Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.